This is the Monroeville Christian Church podcast, where you can find sermons, Bible studies, and other biblical content produced by Monroeville Christian Church. My name is Covey Wise. I'm one of the preachers at Monroeville Christian Church. We're committed to teaching, training, and transforming lives for Christ, and we invite you to grow with us. Good morning. Hey, it's good to be with you guys today. Um, Talked a little bit in the Sunday school hour. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Monroeville, Pennsylvania. And uh, man, it's so awesome to be able to be here. Um, Was about, uh, we drove about seven hours. Of course, when you got three youngins, it feels like 15 hours. And, uh, you know, they had this question that they asked. They're like, uh, you know, Dad, when are we going to be there? Because we want to get there. What's taking so long? But then every uh, five exits, they got to go to the bathroom. You know, like, hey, we need to stop and go. I said, that's why we're not going, man. So, uh, you know, when I was a boy, I used to travel uh, around the United States with my family. Uh, we are from, uh, originally from a part of Indiana that is, uh, I told the Sunday school hour, the uh, Cincinnati area. Big uh, Reds fans and Bengals fans and that kind of stuff. I know that's, you got to be careful around here uh, saying those things. But, but I used to travel every summer with my dad and my brother, some other people. We'd go watch the Reds play at different ballparks. And believe it or not, one of my favorite baseball parks that I went to growing up was PNC Field. I loved uh, the field was awesome. Uh, really, I love uh, the, the baseball stadium uh, in Pittsburgh. And uh, really enjoyed it. In fact, I remember one year uh, we, were, we were all decked out in our red stuff, right? And, you know, that's fighting words around here. Uh, and so we're sitting at this game. And I remember uh, the Reds were losing. Uh, it was, I don't know, it was, it was bad. We, we got to the ninth inning. And, uh, and we just decided we were going to go home, right? The game's over. We're not going to sit here. Let's go back to our hotel room and let's go away because let's just beat the traffic and get out of here. The game is pretty much over as it is. And so we get to the car. We turn on 700 WLW out of Cincinnati. We're listening to it in the car. And the Reds come back and hit a grand slam in the ninth inning to take the lead. Kelly Stinnett was the catcher for the Reds. That means nothing for you probably. But Kelly Stinnett, even Reds fans don't remember Kelly Stinnett. Kelly Stinnett hits a, hits a grand slam in the top of the ninth and gives the Reds the lead. And we had already missed it. We were already halfway to our hotel room. I missed the biggest moment of the game because we left early. I missed that moment. And this week as we dive into the word of God and we study, uh, I don't want us to miss a moment. I don't want us to miss a moment. Um, And and the sermon we're going to talk about today, it's about not missing an opportunity. Not missing an opportunity. It's about not missing that moment to help out. Being a part of a team and are helping others in their tough moments, right? And so why is this so important that we we don't miss that moment? Well, for for non-Christians, it's optional, okay? But if you consider yourself a Christian, then this shouldn't be an option for us. Okay, this is about what, what we should be doing because of what God did for us, right? And so the truth is, is we're all as, uh, in this case, Monroeville Christian Church, Little C Church, uh, this is, we all should be in on. This isn't an option. This is something that God has called us to do. 
And the truth is we're all in on this moment. At one point in our life, God gave us what we needed most in the toughest, most darkest hour of our life. Maybe you remember that. The first time that you came to Christ, maybe you remember that for me. August of 1996 was when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, I'll never forget that moment. But I was in a dark moment in my life where I needed Jesus. I needed to begin a relationship with him. And so if that's true with all of us, then our response should be marked with extraordinary compassion and uh, generosity, shouldn't it? I mean, we should be focused on, as, as he says in the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. We should be disciples who are making disciples, right? If somebody in your world is maybe in that moment, and we talked a little bit about this in the Sunday school hour today, maybe you have someone in your life that's like that. Maybe you could think of somebody in your life who's, who doesn't have a relationship with Christ, who's maybe marked in a tough moment. They're in a dark moment in their life. Our response should be marked with incredible compassion for them. Um, and honestly, I think our reputation as Christians, as individuals, really rests on how we respond in these moments. Right? I know that most of us, um, you know, you know that. But, but, but knowing that and not doing that is two completely different things. And so here's what I want to do. I want to tell you a story from Mark chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2 today. It's a great story. Uh, it happened right after Jesus began to do his ministry. Okay? And this story is so remarkable. It's so much, uh, it's filled with all kinds of things. It's filled with kind of some comedy and some inspiration, but, but I hope it motivates us not to miss these moments of helping others. Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 1, here's what it says. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. If you know anything about Jesus, you know that everywhere that he traveled, crowds would follow him. Right? Jesus, you know, tons of people were we're following him, and this day was no different. Uh, they had heard that he'd come back home, right? And, and so they came to hear what he had to say. Think, you know, Elvis is in town, right? There's tons of people following him, or, or the Beatles, or whatever. There are people everywhere that Jesus went, there were lots of people. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. Not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Now, here's what historians believe. Historians believe that this was the home of Peter. Okay? And so Jesus already had a relationship with Peter at this point. And Peter was, was from Capernaum. And so Jesus is at this house. It's completely packed full of people. And, and so, so many people that you couldn't even get in the door. That's how many people were at this. Right? And so you, you can just imagine this situation. Verse 3. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So there's this group of men, some men, we, we don't know how many, okay? There are four specific men that are carrying this friend. Uh, we don't know his name. We certainly don't know why he's paralyzed, how long he's been paralyzed. We, we don't know uh, the nature of their relationship with this guy. We just know that clearly this man was in a tough moment. He was in one of those dark moments that we were talking about earlier. He's in a tough spot. The deck is stacked against him. And his four friends hear that Jesus is in town, right? And so they're thinking, you know, this is our moment. 
And so they each grab a, a corner of the mat and they say, hey, you know, I don't know, you know what, what you're doing today, but, but we're going to go see Jesus. We're going to go see him, right? And, and they get there and, and what happens? Sold out crowd. Tough spot. There, there's no room. Immediately they run into this huge obstacle that's in the way. And then what happens sometimes? We have a mission and things we're going to do, and it just seems like something comes up and gets in our way of, of, of that mission that, that we're trying to uh, accomplish. And so there's this massive obstacle, and Mark writes this. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they looked at their friend and said, Hey, buddy, maybe next time. No, that's not what it says, right? That's not what it says. It says, uh, you know, because that would be a really cool end of the story. Would it not? Like, okay, they tried really hard. That would have been a great story. Maybe the friend was like, Hey, guys, thank you so much. You tried really hard to get me to Jesus. But that's not what happened, you know. And maybe they did what a lot of us do when we run into situations like that. They say, Hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about you. We were thinking about you. You know, no, that's not what happened. You know, you know, since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of this crowd, they did something that was unthinkable. A lot of times we run into a, an obstacle in the way and we just say, that was really good. I tried really hard, but, you know, maybe it wasn't meant to be. You know, no, these guys, they fought through every obstacle that presented itself in their way. These four guys... They aren't giving up on anything. They're not giving up, right? They get to the house. It's so crowded that they could have just walked away, but they didn't. You know, they could have said, hey, we, we really don't have time for this. How often do we do that, right? I'm going to do something, but I, I don't have time to do it. I, I, I'm busy. We say that all the time. I'm busy, and I, I'm guilty of that, you know. I, I have things to do. You know, I don't know what their calendar was like in this story, but it was kind of probably full like yours and mine. You know, they, they might have said, well, I don't, I don't know what else to do. We, we should have left earlier. We didn't get here on time, whatever. No, but these guys weren't going to be denied. They weren't going to be denied. They had a goal in mind, and we aren't going to turn away just because there's a crowd. You know, they were the kind of friends that are going to push through every single obstacle to help you. Right? They believed something so powerful that it pushed them to push through any obstacle that got in their way. Now, we don't know what they believed, but it seems that they believed this. And this is the key for the entire revival this week. If we can get him to Jesus, something good will happen. If we can get him to Jesus, something good will happen. They believed, I don't know what's going to happen. I've just heard about Jesus, but if we can get him near Jesus, something good is going to happen. You know, we're not going to turn away for any reason. And so look at what they did. Here's what actually verse 4 says. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. It feels like Mark skipped like eight steps in this story, doesn't it? Like, I'm sorry, what just happened? You went, from, you went from the door was crowded to these guys digging through the roof and, and lowering this man? Like, hey, Mark, can, can we go back just a second? Give us some details. That, did, they, did they look for another door somewhere? Was there another door? What, you know, was there, you know, evidently there wasn't. You know, how did they even get up on the roof? You know, were they, you know, carrying a ladder? Like, how, how did they, what did they do to get up here? This, this scene that we see here is so dramatic, and Jesus, he's talking, and I got to think all of a sudden there's particles falling down, 
from the roof, right? You look at Peter and you're like, man, <laughs> what's wrong with your roof, Peter? Is there, you got termites? Like, what's going on here? You know, you, you see this story. There's a hole that's opening up, maybe a little sunlight coming in. You're thinking, man, this is bad, right? These, these, these four faces, they just kind of pop their way through the roof. And before you know it, they're lowering this guy on a mat through the ceiling, right? I don't know how they did this, but Mark doesn't tell us. But somehow, they've lowered him down right in front of Jesus. What, what is Jesus going to do? How is he, he going to respond to this situation? And you, you think he's going to be mad about, you know, messing up somebody's property? Is he, is he impressed? Is he frustrated? Look at what Mark says in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Whose faith? Not, not the faith of the crowd. Not the faith of the paralyzed man. When, he, when Jesus saw the faith of the friends, he looks the man right in the eyes and he says, your sins are forgiven. The friends were hoping, hey, he's just going to heal him, right? Let's just get this guy healed. If we, could, if we could just get him healed, that's exactly what we came for. You know, It didn't go how we thought it would go, but Jesus is giving the man ultimately what he needs the most. Really, what all of us need the most, isn't it? The anger and the guilt and the shame that we feel. God of all creation, if we have a relationship with him, has forgiven us. You, you don't have to carry that anymore. You don't have to live with that anymore. Their faith moved Jesus. Their faith moved Jesus. Not by what they believed, but by what they did because of what they believed. And that was so inspirational to Jesus that it moved him. Why? Because faith is best expressed through our actions. We talk all day long about what we believe, and we'll say all kinds of things. But sometimes we need to put our money where our mouth is. Right? Faith is sometimes expressed through our words, and that's really important. Right? But it seems like God is not necessarily moved by our amazingly spoken prayers. But the faith that these men had displayed, that, that these guys had, had showed by carrying their friend and digging a hole in the roof to get him to Jesus... It seems that their faith was best expressed through their actions, right? And this created quite a bit of debate if you keep reading on with, with, with the Pharisees. These Pharisees and these teachers of the law, they, they, this bothered them because, you know, Jesus has now forgiven someone's sins. And that's, that's a big deal. Keep reading verse 6. Here's what it says. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? What, 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 is, what is Jesus saying here? Hey, in case you missed it, I'm not just from God. Jesus claimed to be God, right? And, and because he's doing something that he knows only God can do. Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Wow. Pretty awesome, huh? Pretty awesome how this Jesus who is supposedly not God, right, is able to read their thoughts. 
And, and, and so he asked them a question, verse 9, which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Verse 10, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. This is good news for anyone, isn't it? This is good news, but, but Jesus is powerful enough to forgive anyone's sins. And so while Jesus is waiting for them to answer his question, he says to this man, verse 11, best part of the story, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. What do you think that, you know, this man did when he got up? Think about it, man. He's, he's paralyzed. He can't walk. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be paralyzed and then all of a sudden just be able to walk all of a sudden. Can you imagine? Right? I would imagine one of the first things he did is stand up and maybe look at these four friends that he's around and, and address each one of them and say, man, thank you so much. I can't believe what you just did. Thank you so much for doing this for me. Right? Maybe a big hug. You know, I don't know. Maybe these people are saying, you know, we've never seen this kind of friendship before. Never. We've never seen somebody act so boldly. We've never seen someone's faith so visible that it moves the heart of God. Don't you want to be that kind of friend? Don't you want to be that person that God is, is calling that disciple who is making disciples? You know, I know all of us want, to, want those kinds of friends in our lives. We want those people who are there for us, who, are, who, who care so much about us. But also want us not only to, to want those kinds of friends, but to be those kinds of friends. Right? More importantly, I want us to be the church and be who God has called us to be. These guys were convinced that if they brought him to Jesus, something good would happen. And I think we need to be convinced that if we bring someone to Jesus, or sometimes bring Jesus to them, something good will happen. Do you believe that this morning? You know, do you believe that, that you know, this mission, we don't just sing songs about it and talk about it and go through, you know, coming to church on a Sunday morning and spending a couple hours here, take communion and give an offering and then just go out, you know, like we've done our weekly thing, you know. Is this a Sunday through Saturday thing for you? Do you believe that we're on a mission? Because I think a lot of times what happens is, is, is the church is we look around the world and we go, man, it's, there's some bad things going on out there. Let's go build a cabin in Montana and hide out until Jesus comes back. Sounds like a great thing sometimes, to be honest. But that's not what God has called us to do. He's saying, hey, there's a mission field right here, right now. The time is today. The day where, you know, Jesus is passing through town is no longer. Right? God has given us the Holy Spirit, and we as the church are to bring someone to Jesus. And again, not, not just on Sundays, but, but you know, any day. And, and whatever we're doing, that's, that's what we're called to do. We are the body of Jesus. In this man's day, these people could literally bring people to Christ. You know, where he's teaching in this case. But now, it's for us to be the what? The hands and feet of Jesus. 
to be the hands and feet to anyone, specifically anyone who is without Christ. I just want to encourage you guys that. Like, that's something that you guys really need. This is something you need to think about. We have to think about that in Odin, Indiana as well. How are we reaching people? What are we doing for others? It's important for us to grow and to be together as the church, but what are we doing outside of these walls to reach people who are far from Christ? Seems like these guys understood that if we just get them to Jesus, something good can happen. And this is not optional for the church. This is not an optional thing. Sometimes, uh, as we said in the Sunday school class, sometimes Jesus shows up in the form of a pizza. Somebody's going through a hard time. Somebody's going through something in their life. We have, we have people at Odin that do this. Uh, somebody maybe is, is, is going through something uh, maybe medically or their health is, is struggling. And so we, we just get together. We got a group of ladies who are just awesome. I'm so glad that I don't have to oversee, even as the lead minister of the church, I don't have to oversee every little thing that happens. We just got a group of people who step up and say, hey, we want to help these people. So we're going to get a meal train going. I don't even see it sometimes. There's times when my wife will say, hey, I got Thursday night. Don't forget. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We're, we're helping somebody out who needs help. We're reaching out, uh, trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not because we're trying to get a gold star by our name, but because we know that life is short and we want to see people get to Christ before it's too late. And that's what we should be doing everywhere as Christians. It's not an optional thing. You know, sometimes the form, Jesus comes in the form of a gift card, you know, or, or, or sometimes it's just your presence, just being with somebody who's going through a tough time, just listening to them. Our response to anyone who is without Christ should be marked with compassion and generosity. We, as the church, are his body. We're his body. In fact, we should be the kind of people that will literally tear the roof off to help someone who is far from Christ. Right? It doesn't matter if it's inconvenient. Most times it is. <laughs> there have been some times where it's been some inconvenience in my life to go and help somebody else. It doesn't matter if it's messy. These are the kinds of friends that say, I don't care if it's crowded or not. Because they will find a way in. Let's find a ladder. And tear the roof off, right? To make sure that these people meet Jesus. So, so, so they don't lose hope. So they don't begin to doubt. It's easy a lot of times to say, I'm thinking about you. And to be honest with you, there's times when we say, hey, I'm praying for you. And, and maybe you are, and that's great. But let's be honest. A lot of times we say, I'm praying for you. And, and we don't always follow through on those prayers. I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. But you know what? Thinking about you doesn't pay the bills. Thinking about you doesn't, doesn't keep you company in the waiting room. Don't just think about people. Don't just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Be willing to tear the roof off so that someone meets Jesus. I want us to walk out of here today and, and say, I, I want to be that kind of friend to someone else. Right? I, I want you to think about this today as you, as you leave here. And I don't necessarily want you to have to do it right now because then you'll lose your focus. But before you leave here today, man, grab your cell phone and find that person in your phone that you need to reach out to. Just, just one. Right? Just that one person that you know that maybe you need to say something to or just send a text to. You know, sometimes just reaching out to somebody means so much. Who is it that's in your life that you know needs Christ? Who is it? Who is that paralyzed person in your life? that you need to tear the roof off so that they can meet Christ. Maybe it means you need to buy them a gas card. 
Maybe it means you just need to offer to babysit for them. Maybe it means you need to take them a meal. Just don't tell them what you're thinking about them. Put a reminder in your phone to do so. Let's be people who do something about it. Let's be the body of Christ. You know, uh, about three years ago, right before, uh, actually it was like four years ago, uh, right before COVID hit, um, and it was, uh, we, we decided as a group, how can we reach people who are far from Christ? We want to reach people, man. We want to we make a difference, even in the size of Odin, Indiana. We're small, but we're mighty. We got 1,500 people in our town. We run a church, uh, four to 500 people. Uh, depending on the week, it's really weird because we, we fluctuate. Uh, but we're, we're real close to a naval base, so we got a lot of people. Believe it or not, there's a naval base in Indiana. Can you believe that? No water, but a naval base. Uh, they blow things up a lot there, okay? Um, but uh, but we, we, we said, how are we going to continue to make a difference right where we're at? Because we know there are people who are far from Christ right here. And so uh, I connected with a friend of mine, and uh, we started talking about things. How are we going to make this happen? How can we do this? And we decided as a church that we were going to pay off medical debt for people. Uh, one of the areas where people were really struggling with was their medical debt bills, and and uh, we're like, well, how do, we, how do we do this? And so we partnered with uh, an organization out of New York City um, called RIP Medical Debt. And what they are is they're people who used to be uh, debt collectors, and now they're on the opposite side of it where they deal with debt collectors, and they uh, help uh, kind of um, figure it out and settle on a, on a lower price. And so uh, we, got to, we got together with them, and we just said, hey, we know this can be a big deal for our area if we, if we go all in. So a friend of mine, his name is Mark Fugate, he came and preached for us. And we basically talked about, hey, God can take a little and do a lot. And before we got done with this campaign of raising money to pay off medical debt, we were able to pay off $2.5 million of medical debt for people in our, in our community. People we didn't even know. People, people we'd never even met. But we knew that if we could just reach out and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, we would see some come to him. And it worked. We, uh, even to this day, I don't know all the names. I never got to see it. We just, we just raised, we raised funds. And before you knew it, here we are, man. We got, we've seen a lot of people, fruits because of that. And we don't do that because we want to be seen. We, I don't tell you that because, oh, Odin Christian Church has got it all together. We just, I tell you this because we, we literally wanted to tear the roof off for somebody. That was life-changing for so many people who were struggling in that moment, and we were able to help them out because we knew if we tear the roof off and get them to Jesus, good things can happen. You know, in Clifton Fadman's American Treasury, there's an advertisement of a cat in a rat ranch from 1875, and, and it read like this. Glorious opportunity to get rich. We're starting a cat ranch and Lake in Illinois with 100,000 cats. Sounds terrible to me, by the way. I'm not a cat guy. I don't like any of the ats, by the way. I don't like bats or rats or gnats or cats. I don't like any of them. Um, but they're starting a ranch in Illinois in 1875 with 100,000 cats, right? And it read this. Each cat will average 12 kittens a year. The cat skins will sell for 30 cents each. 100 men can skin 5,000 cats a day, and we figure a daily profit of over $10,000. Now, what shall we feed the cats? Well, we'll start a rat ranch next door to that. 
with one million rats. Right? And the rats will breed 12 times faster than the cats, and so we'll have four rats to feed each day to each cat. Now, what shall we feed the rats? Well, we'll feed the rats the carcasses of the cats after they've been skinned. Now, get this one. We feed the rats to the cats and the cats to the rats and get the skins for nothing. Now, if you think that's crazy like I do, there's not, that's nothing compared to those who say that we're going to win this world without going to reach it. We have a ripe field. You guys here in, in Monroeville have a, a field that is ripe, that is waiting to be harvested. What, what an incredible opportunity. I've only been here a day, and I've just looked around. I'm like, holy cow. What can happen right here, right now? Did you know that there are 138,000 more lost people in the world today than there were yesterday? There, there will be 1 million more lost people next Sunday and there will be, than there were last Sunday. Try to imagine all the lost people in the world right at this second. If you would line them up, it would go around the earth 30 times. Just suppose that we, we gave each of them a Bible. All right? If we drove 10 hours a day, 50 mile an hour, it would take four years and 34 days to get to the place where the line ended on the day we began. By then, the line would have gone around the globe two more times. But just suppose it came to a standstill and no one else died and no one else was born until we won everyone to Jesus who was lost. At the rate that it's going in our country, it would take 7,500 years to win the world to Jesus Christ. But hear this. If every one of those people would win someone, just one person, just one person this year, it would take less than nine years to win the world to Jesus Christ. When Jesus left the earth, he left his wallet to Judas, his body to Joseph, his mother to his apostles, his clothes to a soldier, his peace to his disciples, his supper to his followers, the gospel to the world, but he left the preaching and going. To us. You might as well be a fish that doesn't swim, a soloist that doesn't sing, a bird that doesn't fly, a dog that won't bark, like a fire without a glow, a river without a flow, a winter without snow, a conviction without no, like a wind without blow, like an oar without a row, like a trip without a go, like a harvest without a grow. Like a kneader without dough, like a cock without a crow, like a high without a low, like a fast without a slow, like an actor without a show, like a, like a two without a fro, like above without below, like a violin without a bow, is a Christian who will not go. If we can get him to Jesus, good things will happen. Do you believe that this morning? If we can get him to Christ, can you imagine what he can do? The same for them as to what he did for you. I remember what that was like. I remember what it was like to not have Christ in my life. And then someone invested in me and someone tore the roof off for me. And I'm here today preaching to you because someone else preached to me. May you be that person to someone else. And share with them what the gospel is. That Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. Died. Uh, 
lived a perfect life, but died a, a, a sinless life for you. Right? He was fully God and fully man. And he came to tell me, he said, in John chapter 8, he said, if you don't believe that I am he, you will what? You will die in your sins. So we must believe that Jesus is God's son. He says that we must repent. We've baptized a lot of people at Odin, but one of the things we've really struggled with is, is making sure that they don't walk out that back door. And so we really want to share with them, hey, this is what this means. Because if you're getting baptized without repentance, you're just getting wet. And so Jesus said in Luke 13, 3 and in 13, 5, unless you repent, you all likewise perish. And repentance is not, it's kind of a hard church word sometimes. We don't use it a whole lot when we go out to the gas station and places like that. But repentance is a Greek word, a military term, right? Metanoia. So when you repent, you're a person who's headed in this direction and you literally do an about face and go the other way. That's what repentance is. And Jesus said, unless you repent, you all likewise perish. Repentance is so important, and so many people miss that. They say, hey, I want to get baptized and give my life to Christ, but I want to continue living the lifestyle that I'm living. And that's not what he's called us to do. And so, church, you must believe that Jesus is God's son. Repent uh, of, your, of your ways. Repent of your sin. And then to be baptized, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and be baptized for what? For the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. He goes on to say in Acts chapter 2, this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. That's us. That's us. That's everybody. So we have, we have a mess. And then, and then that's the starting point as we say at Odin. This is, that's where it begins, not where it ends. That's not the finish line. That's the starting point. Have you done that today? If not, I'm just going to ask you a question. What are you waiting on? There is nothing in this life more important than Jesus your house, your car, none of those things are going to matter. They're all going to burn up one day. But where you stand with Christ uh, is the most important thing. And so we have a message to tell. If you haven't done it, uh, we're going to pray in just a second and offer an invitation. Uh, maybe you have done that. And maybe you've just gotten off and you said, hey, I, I've not been living the life that I should as a Christian. I haven't been following him the way that I should. This is an opportunity uh, for you to rededicate your life. Maybe you just need prayer or you need uh, someone just to hear you and just to listen to you and hear what you have to say. Um, there's leaders in here that would, would love to pray with you and, and listen to you and hear what you have to say. Um, but church, make no mistake about it. If we can get them to Christ, something good will happen. I'm looking forward to being with you guys this week. Looking forward to tonight. I'm going to pray and then these guys are going to sing um, an invitation song. Dave's going to come forward, all right? Father, we love you. We, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. Um, Lord, without him, we're, we're all bound for hell. Uh, but you loved us so much. As your word says, when we were your enemies, Christ died for us. And so, Lord, I, I pray that if there's someone here today that needs to make a decision for you, that they wouldn't put it off. Lord, we know in your word it says in John chapter 14 that no one gets to God except through Jesus. And so, Lord, I, I just pray today is that day. And if, and if uh, maybe there's some in here who have already done that, but, Lord, they, in one way or another, they haven't really been uh, making a difference, not really been the hands and feet that you've called them to be, I pray that starting today they would uh, reach out to that person that they know that needs Christ and they'll be willing to tear the roof off.
to get them to you. Lord, you're so good to us. You've blessed us in so many ways, Lord. I I just thank you for this incredible opportunity to be able to share your word with a a great congregation here in, in, in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. Lord, and I just pray that revival is sparked this week. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.